All right, welcome to the Midweeks. I'm your host, this is Rob. Thank you very much for being here. Today I'm mostly going to talk, talk about things in the news, so I don't have a Bible study or a scripture for you this morning. I just want to talk about things in the news, okay? And so, number one, I want to start off with a very interesting news article to me, uh, starring our Prime Minister. And uh, may the Lord bless him. You know, we need good leadership. And so I, I hope and I do pray that God will uh, sovereignly rule over our government to, to do good to our land. Um, there have been a few instances lately where the government has shown itself to be openly hostile to Christian organizations, uh, particularly with the student funding, student summer jobs uh, funding program, where there was something like um, 1,500 rejected applications because people wouldn't sign the affirmation of um, abortion as their worldview, um, and primarily Christian organizations not participating or being rejected on this ground. Not, nevertheless, okay, nevertheless, uh, God is good. And this is, the, this is the story I want to talk about. So it came out a week or two ago that um, years ago the Prime Minister had been, uh, before he was Prime Minister, he's just a younger man, uh, he was uh, accused of groping a reporter at an event, a party of some sort. Um, and um, so there's this news article, I think it was in Creston that it happened. You can Google that. And somebody dug up this article. It, it was around for a long time. I'm not sure why it only appeared now. Um, I, I try not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I do always wonder, you know, when something's been around for 18 years, which I think this article has been, how come it only surfaces now? And so you wonder. But um, apparently he had... Uh, groped somebody and didn't really apologize about it and whatever. And so this news article came up and um, there's there's weird things about this. Okay, one of the weird things is that whoever the woman was, who's the reporter who reported on this and it was put in the news 18 years ago um, in a local newspaper, um, she doesn't want to be interviewed or her name used. And the CBC and other reporters are respecting that, which on the one hand is kind of good. But on the other hand, you kind of wonder why. Like if... Um, if this had been a Trump story, nobody would have cared whether this person wanted to be in the news or not. We would know her name, we'd know her address, we would know everything about her, and she probably would be being offered, um, you know, jobs going on to the news, uh, her own clothing line, her own perfume line, and everything like that. So I, I do wonder about that. I don't know if there's some sort of confidentiality agreement because this was dealt with beforehand or what, but uh, she doesn't want to talk about it, and that's being respected. And so on the one hand, great. On the other hand, hmm. So the Prime Minister originally responded to questions about this in the news by saying he doesn't remember anything bad happening at that event. So he said, I don't know. And then pressed last week about it again. This was the response that really made me say, I think I agree with him. Um, he said, I've been meditating on how men and women can see an interaction differently. And this is the thing that floored me about it. Like, I do agree with that. I do agree that generally uh, uh, men and women are different in important ways. Um, and I think that's both just the reality physically. I think that's the reality because of how bodies grow and the impact of um, horm growth hormones on brains and stuff like that. And obviously in the process of creating new people, which is one of the most important things that happens in the universe, uh, men and women have biologically different roles in that. 
Uh, theologically on top of that, I think that men and women are called to display the truth of God in different ways as his image bearers. Um, and so we have tons in common. We're both humans. We're both made in the image of God. And at the same time, there's some important distinctions that God has worked into the world in order to display who he is more fully and to accomplish his purposes in the world and to uh, teach the gospel to people through male-female relationships. Um, and so I can unpack that more if somebody wants me to. But I do, I do agree with him. Now, the thing that's weird is that uh, this is the prime minister who has been doing his best to be the world's most famous uh, feminist leader. Um, so he's got his cabinet, which is a 50-50 split of men and women. And he's been, he calls himself a feminist and has been advocating for equality in every kind of way. And so it just seems like a weird move to publicly say, you know what happened here? The issue is that men and women are different. That's his response to an accusation of groping from a long time ago. But uh, things last forever nowadays. Um, you never walk away from it. So so for me, this is just weird. It's just worth pointing out. Um, this is a weird response. It's a response I haven't read about any blowback in the newspapers that, it, that he's claiming um, sex difference, claiming gender difference as his defense for what happened. And um, so this is just weird. And, and one of the things I think we can see is like, you know, there, there's reality and then there's kind of um, trying to advance ideologies. And very often ideologies uh, just have the hardest time measuring up with reality, um, which is one of the things I, I appreciate about um, the Bible and the theology of the Bible and the truth of the Bible is that it actually coheres with the world we live in so well. And as we learn scripture and learn about Christ, learn biblical history, learn biblical wisdom, it actually helps us live life better, more fully. Um, it actually helps us relate to the world more honestly. It doesn't do weird things. And so here is uh, an individual as a leader who has um, really presented himself for years as, I believe that men and women are the same and equal. And then when this really serious accusation comes, his response is, well, men and women are different. And I've been thinking about that. And I think he should think about that a lot, a lot more. And we'll leave it at that. And, you know, may the Lord bless our leadership. Um, it's always a tough job, and it requires a lot of character and really just the sovereignty of God. Leadership can do so much more damage than it can do good. Um, and, and it's a lot easier to do damage than it is to do good. So may the Lord have mercy on us together. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is just this story of identity politics coming out of the States. You may have heard about this. You may not have. It isn't actually the biggest news story, but it's kind of helpful in, um, as a exhibit A for understanding what people call identity politics, which is, again, is kind of an ideology. It's a way of looking at the world where people are, it, um, their identity and their identity is very, it's, it's kind of the surface level stuff. It's men against women, blacks against whites, rich against poor. All you need to know about somebody to know everything about them is the color of their skin, uh, their gender, identification, the kind of sexual attraction they experience and how much money they have. And you know everything you need to know about somebody because it's, this is, and then you clump people together in their groups. And then typically you can ha kind of have a scale of oppressor versus victimhood and um, and this is a controlling worldview for our culture. This is a worldview that um, people buy into by the hundreds of thousands and impacts our 
our conversations, impacts politics, impacts how we do life, impacts everything. And so there was this story that came out of the States where this rapper was hosting a conference or a concert. And he invited people to come up and rap his lyrics. And this one lady came up and she started rapping it. And I guess this guy liked using the N-word a lot in his uh, stuff. And she, as she was rapping it, she's the N-word. And he stopped her and said, really, did you just do that? And the reason he did that was because this lady was white. And so he said, okay, try again, but don't, don't say that word. And she tried and she kind of bungled it because um, she's really nervous because the crowd was all like jeering him for stopping her and rebuking her publicly, which is not what she signed up for when she got onto the stage to, to, you know, rap with one of her heroes. And he was interviewed about that later. And this is where we kind of find out what's going on in people's minds. So when he was asked about it, he said something like that word is um, precious to me or belongs just to me or just to African-Americans. And the reason is, you know, he said, I've been rejected loans. I can't afford a house in the inner city. Um, I've just been treated really badly. And so this is a word I don't want people who aren't African-American using. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing him. So the issue was that she was white. Because she's white, she can't say that word because he feels like he's been mistreated by white people. Now, this is the, this is the thing. This, this is the thing that that um, seems inconsistent to me. So he's saying that it, it was kind of economic issues or financial issues that uh, control his idea of who can say what words, of his own lyrics, when he invites people to come up. And it, it, it's such a setup. You know, you set up, if you don't tell her beforehand, okay, you're white and I don't think you should say this, before you get her to sing this song, that is just, that that's kind of jerky. Um, but... Does this woman deserve to be punished for his experiences? Because, number one, she's a fan. So she's been buying his songs, buying his albums. Um, She paid a lot of money to go to this concert. And um, she probably helps other people become fans as well. And so if his issue is how much money he's been getting perceived uh, from white people or not getting opportunities had or missed because of white people. Um, is she the problem? If she's been paying you to rap, if she's been contributing to your financial success, is she really the problem? Is she really someone who needs to get punished? Because I'm guessing she's probably not going to be a fan anymore. She's probably not going to buy your albums anymore. She's not going to come to another one of your concerts because how this guy treated her, he's actually hurting himself financially. And so um, this one of the things that people talk about here is that I just the idea between group justice and individual justice. And in this case, th- there was a major injustice against this young woman. Um, can, could you prove that she denied him a loan? Could you prove that she uh, made it po- impossible for him to get the house he wanted where he wanted to? Can you prove that there's a direct connection there? Of course not. All you can really prove is that she has helped this guy make money by her behavior and how she spends her money and going to the conference. She has helped this guy get richer. That's the facts. But she's getting punished for what he perceives other people with the same skin color doing because of identity politics. Because, you know, people are just uh, skin deep. And so for me, uh, this isn't the reality. Um, Justice has to do with how people actually treat each other, how people actually behave. Um, Sometimes there are group actions where people as a group... um, do things and say things, but that needs to be dealt with on that level. But if you can, if you have somebody at your concert who's paying you money to be there, um, you shouldn't punish them for feeling like you don't have 
you didn't get as much money in life as you wanted because that is super inconsistent. It's just not smart. It's just not right. Um, you would think that any entertainer or any performer um, who who sees the world through how much money they're making or the financial opportunities they have should be pretty happy with anybody uh, buying their stuff, especially if you consider yourself to be an influencer. Why don't you write a song to try to... Um, win over <laughs> the people who you feel are, have been against you. Um, I don't know. So something to consider about identity politics on a quest for justice, creating uh, more injustice. And that's not something that we want to participate in. And I know that there are major issues that are group issues, um, but it is it is not okay to commit a, an injustice against somebody who's on your side in the name of getting back at people who you felt like weren't on your side. I want to talk about the border issues in the United States. Um, these issues have kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, the direct reporting on um, illegal immigration into the United States from Mexico, that's not necessarily Mexicans. There's lots of people from Central America or South America who um, attempt to illegally enter the United States. And it was a huge deal a few weeks ago because of um, the parents being separated from the children. And that's kind of fallen away with the Supreme Court pick stuff and people being worried about Roe v. Wade. Um, and then it's kind of turned into just an abolish ICE movement. So ICE is their border control, their immigration control um, there. And so people are saying we need to just get rid of the entire agency and start again from fresh. And I just want to say, like, if somebody's there, there's a kind of worldview that thinks um, if we destroy something, whatever we build will be better. And that, that is kind of a, an insane um, presumption of self-worth and self-importance. I can totally destroy the border control agency, the immigration control agency, and I will build something better from scratch. Oh, wow. Oh, why? Because, because I'm Superman. Because I'm, I'm God. I can do whatever I want. How, it's, it's a revolutionary idea. It sounds great, but it, it is so much easier to destroy something than it is to build something. And it is so presumptuous to think you can build something better than, than what is right in front of you, um, unless you really, 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 really know how to do it well. And so when people are calling to abolish the immigration control, I just think, uh, no. You can't even say how you would want to change things now. How do you, why would you presume that you can build something from scratch that is better than it is now? So anyhow, just, just for yourself, when you hear people wanting leadership just to come in and destroy what's, what's present, um, watch out. Be careful. There are some instances where it would be good, you know, when the invasion of Nazi Germany was happening. It, it was... It was that that thing needed to be ended, but the people were still there and they had to figure out a way to actually rebuild the nation without just destroying everything. I mean, most things, many cities were rubble because of the bombing already, but um, they couldn't just come and say, we're going to erase Germany. Uh, they, they actually had to deal with what was there and rebuild. Um, not just, they weren't just starting from scratch. They didn't deport everybody and put in new population, which has happened in human history. That's what uh, Nebuchadnezzar and other nations would do. When they would conquer a nation, they'd remove almost everybody to another land and then replace those people with another nation. And it was a kind of a way of uh, destabilizing the countries around them. If people weren't fighting for their homeland because they weren't in their homeland, they were less likely to fight. If people were trying to defend their homeland, they were more likely to fight. But if you moved everybody out of their homeland, um, they were less likely to try to defend wherever they were. 
I'm totally on a tangent. Let's talk about the border issue. Now, this border issue has been one of the worst um, reported issues ever because people are just so angry about it and angry about the leadership down south. Um, but the reality is, is that um, if people tried to immigrate legally, they wouldn't be having these problems. Um, they're trying to illegally immigrate. And so because they're committing a crime, it's an illegal border crossing. The, the law is that they need to be arrested. And if they come with their children, um, they, the children um, can't get detained. That's the issue. Just like if I went and committed a crime, I held up a bank, the government would not take my children to jail with me. They would try to find a family member to stay with or they would put them in foster care, which would be terrible. But the the beginning of the, t- the problem starts with m- me doing something illegal. And same with this situation, that the beginning of the problem is people illegally trying to enter the United States and committing a crime by how they enter the country and often with children. And what had happened is that, and this has been the law for a long time, it's been the law for years and years, uh, what's happened is that somewhere along the lines, the they used to keep the families together, and then the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals or something like that decided that that was wrong, you couldn't do that, and so now in order to obey the law, they, the families have to be separated. And so it's just not going to be an easy situation at all. And so people are really upset about the the separation of families, which... For me, it was actually really great to hear um, people on the political left all of a sudden getting really excited about keeping families together. It's like, yay, exactly, I agree with you. This kind of like the Trudeau thing. Why do I find myself agreeing with you? Oh, because all of a sudden you, you care about keeping families together. Oh, I've got lots of ideas of how you could do that. You could stand up for marriage. You could stand up for um, uh, giving birth to children instead of aborting them. You could, do, you could teach kids how to have uh, good relationships and not feel like victims but work together. You could uh, really just start promoting family in general. Um, you could promote dads uh, being good dads and good fathers and good men who um, try not to have babies with people until they're married to the woman and uh, then stay faithful. You could do all kinds of things. And so that it's like, yeah, but um, I don't think the kids were actually the issue as so much as being upset. And so here's this issue, okay? And, and, and the other side of the coin is it's really hard it's just a hard situation to come in and for the parents to be separated from the kids, the kids separated from the parents. And for a long time, depending on if they're claiming asylum, they could be arrested for a long time. They could be for long. So it's just really hard. So this is the two sides of the coin. It's like, how do you have show compassion and mercy on these families and uphold the law? And for me, as I've been thinking about this, this really is a, an issue just like the cross. Um, in God's world, human beings are criminals against him. We, we have broken the law from our hearts. And we have rejected God ever since the garden. The, the thoughts of, and the intentions of our hearts have been towards evil, even from our youth. And so we are kind of illegal in this country, in this world. And God has every right to imprison us and to judge us and to deport us, which is where the theology of hell comes from. How do you, here are these people who, whose existence is not going to be terminated. We don't, we don't stop existing, but we also are unworthy of being in God's world. And so he rejects us in a way where we experience his rejection eternally, which is a terrifying thought. Um, and at the same time, God, being rich in love, has wanted to 
have a people for his own, the Father's gift to the Son, the reward for his Son's creative work and redemptive work. And so how do you do this? How do you make criminals um, citizens? That This is the gospel issue. How do you take criminals and make them citizens of heaven? How do you take people who, if they tried to get to heaven, would be illegal immigrants and how do you make them true citizens? And the only the way forward in God's wisdom was the cross. The way forward was the cross. And the thing about the cross is that it isn't just God saying whatever. It isn't just like in the Obama days where Obama said, we're not going to prosecute illegal immigrants. So they did this catch and release thing. They would catch them and they'd say, oh, yeah, you broke the law, but we don't care. Um, that, that, that kind of thing is an injustice. To have laws and not enforce them is an injustice. And to choose a certain group of people for laws not to count for is a deep injustice. So for instance, so it is kind of just like it's an injustice for people to commit a felony by entering the United States illegally and to have the people in power say, oh, we don't care, we're going to ignore your felony. Then every citizen in the United States should have the right to also have felonies ignored, whether it's, you know, robbery or break and enter or some kind of violence. Um, it should be fair. They should be able to say, look, if this person can commit a felony and enter the country and be just released because they have kids, then I too should be able to, as a citizen of this country, be able to commit major crimes and be released because I have kids, right? Like that would be just. And so to just ignore it would not be fair or right. Um, And yet at the same time, um, there's such a need for mercy for sinners and for uh, people at the border. And so the cross of Christ is God's wisdom in this. Um, And this is Romans 3. God was just as well as the justifiers of the ungodly. And what he did was he provided a sacrifice for sin. He provided an innocent man who is the Lord Jesus Christ, whose worth is infinite because he's also the son of God. And he crucified him as a sinner on the cross and expended wrath, the wrath of God against Christ, so that the justice against human sin was satisfied. The deserved wrath of God was poured out on Christ. Jesus accepted the just judgment for the crimes of his people, and he was killed by God. Um, And at the same time, by God setting Jesus up as the head of a new creation through his resurrection, People can look to Christ in faith, believing that he is Lord and raised from the dead, and they are gifted with righteousness. They're gifted with citizenship of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. Their sins are atoned for by punishment. They died with Christ on the cross through joining with him, and they live with Christ now in righteousness because Jesus was raised from the dead. And so um, he, that's, there is a parallel here. How does God allow um, illegal immigrants into the kingdom? He does it by punishing their crimes in his son and gifting citizenship to them through faith in the resurrected Lord. Now, I don't know exactly how this applies (laughs) to the U.S., but that's the only way forward. You have to find a way where the law is upheld 
or else the entire nation becomes criminal. And there is a deep need for mercy in this situation with family. So if I were king for a day, what I'd probably do is I'd probably um, want just, I'd want the laws upheld. And then I would also, um, I think that this might be done, do everything I could to speed up the judicial process so that people who are actually um, refugee claimants can get in. And I'd also probably try to open up um, as much room for charitable organizations like churches to um, care for families, to care for parents, to care for kids, to make their stay as profitable as possible, um, and and try to uh, mitigate the sufferings through mercy, um, and as well as doing the process. Because if if uh, laws are broken by governments and leaders, everybody is worsened by it. But if we also become just like heartless and lacking compassion, then uh, there's something really missing from us displaying the character of God. So again, I'm a bit out of my depth, so I'm not a lawyer here, but I think if I were king for a day, that's what I'd want to do. I'd want to do everything we can to uphold the the law of the land. Plus, when it comes to earthly kingdoms, you can't actually change the laws. Uh, You can't actually... Um, change the laws and the processes um, to do stuff. Uh, and so that's the other side of the coin. You can change the laws. In Canada, we could change the laws and, uh, and do everything we can to defer or deter illegal immigration. One of the things about the um, illegal immigration encouragement that happens with saying we're not going to uphold the law is you get more abuse during illegal immigration. So if people here... If you have a kid, when you cross the border, you're going to get treated more leniently. What do they do? They grab a kid. And there was a news report recently where the uh, border people found an abandoned child on the other side of the border because people thought, we need a kid when we're crossing the border so that we can get preferential treatment. And when they crossed the border, they ditched the kid. And there are uh, people who do human smuggling across the border. There are people who it's their career to help people illegally cross the border. And if they think, like, look, if you have kid, a kid with you, um, you'll get treated better, they'll say, do everything you can to get a kid when we're crossing the border because this is how you'll get to stay in the United States. So it's a big deal. You've got to uphold the law so that everybody knows I'm going to get processed by the law and it will deter the bad stuff. And at the same time... Um, welcome as much charity, compassion, and um, mercy into it from people who actually want to do that kind of stuff so that there can be as much compassion in it as possible as people are getting processed. Those are my two cents. Have a great week and be blessed. The Lord be with you.